0: New to Formula One? Or just as obsessed as we are?
1: Welcome back to another episode of Formation Lab,
0: where we teach you all the dirty details that you need to know to be the best Formula One fan
1: that you can be. You are live with the Hornsby sisters. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. As the great Sir Lewis Hamilton once said, cash is king, and his words ring true in most things in life, but especially in Formula One formula one is one of the world's wealthiest sports leagues arguably the most wealthy over the years many studies have been conducted on just how much money is poured into formula one a forbes article from 2019 revealed research that concludes that the sport has received 30 billion and let me repeat that 30 billion dollars from sponsors over the last 15 years so today megan and i are going to start the conversation on sponsorships There's so much that goes into it, so we already know that there's going to be a 2.0 of this topic that comes out later because there's truly just so much to talk about.
0: Let's start by getting into what a sponsorship actually is. Before Formula One, I never really, I mean, we never really dug into how deep the world of sponsorships goes because we just didn't realize how integral they were into even allowing a sport to exist, At their most basic, sponsorships come in a variety of formats, but are essentially financial support for a sport, event, organization, or performer by an outside body, be it a person or organization, for the mutual benefit of both parties. In terms of Formula One, it's an outside actor investing money in the sport, and both are benefiting. Formula One has some general sponsors. You probably know all of them if you've seen a race. When I say there's legitimately signage everywhere all over the track, that is the most honest statement I've ever made in my entire life. You know these names, you've seen these names time and time again. Aramco, DHL, Emirates, Heineken, Pirelli, Rolex. All of them are paying upwards of 45 million to $50 million a year, most likely more. That's the basic number we could find. A notable addition to that list is Crypto.com. This year in June of 2021, Formula One landed a new sponsorship in a deal with Crypto.com, a platform that allows users to buy and sell cryptocurrencies. It is a five-year deal that totals more than $100 million based on the rumors we've heard. We don't know the exact details. As part of the agreement, Crypto.com will get brand presence around Formula One events specifically the sprint races and you might have noticed this a lot in Brazil because it ramped up for that weekend and even a new overtaking award and Katie and I are still waiting to figure out what that award is even going to look like.
1: (laughs) Again I still (laughs) want it to be a crown. (laughs) Okay so there are individual track and race sponsors that we also see. Some of the most common or most popular are the Gulf Air in Bahrain, Rolex in Hungary, Aramco in the U.S., and Heineken in Brazil. In addition, the cars and the drivers themselves are moving billboards. Sponsorship covers the top of the nose, the rear mirror, the side of the tub, the rear wing, the rear wing end plates, the airbox, and the side pods. They do not waste an inch on these cars. Not to mention the driver's suits and all of the team's merch. The larger and more prominent spots cost the most. The rear wing can cost up to $8.5 million, whereas some of the smaller logos can ring up to 3.5 million. Then we have to think about the TV angles. The onboards where you see the halo, those spots are usually worth about 15 million pounds per year, while some of those smaller logos, like I mentioned earlier, can can get as low as 1 million. Formula Money concludes that close to 39% of the team revenue are generated from sponsorships alone.
0: Part of that team revenue comes in what we know as name sponsors. Going into the season, we saw three distinct team rebrands. And when I say they were rebrands, we're talking total overhauls. Pink to Dark Forest Green is one of them. So let's look at each of them, why they changed, and what was even changed. So first one we're going to dive into, Toro Rosso. Red Bull pumps about $200 million into their Formula One racing team through Red Bull Racing, which is about as much as Mercedes pumps into their Formula One team. Their sister team, which was originally called Toro Rosso, gets about $50 million to spend a year. This year, we saw it renamed to Alphatari. Alphatari is their luxury clothing company. So Red Bull made a distinct decision to rename their second team to honor, promote, get out there in the world, their luxury clothing brand. I'll be honest, I did not even know Alphatari was a clothing brand until they got a name on the side of a <laughs> or,
1: <laughs> or Pierre Gasly and Yuki started sporting their outfits.
0: <laughs> Which happened when they got renamed. <laughs> <laughs> the second massive team rebrand is Renault to Alpine. Alpine, formerly Renault, is owned by the French people and Renault engines or Renault cars. The French people and Renault put about one hundred and fifteen million dollars into their Alpine racing team, which was renamed to promote Renault's sports brand of cars called Alpine. The goal of this that Renault has been very clear is to shine a light on the French automobile manufacturers sports car brand, which was relaunched in 2017. So this was their attempt to get the name back into the car world. The last one, and the one I hinted at, and the most aggressive in terms of color changes, is Aston Martin. In 2021, Aston Martin made its return to Formula One for the first time in 60 years after Canadian billionaire Lawrence Stroll acquired a 16.7% share stake in the British car brand. Previously, we all know that those cars were bright pink. And now they're that beautiful Aston Martin green. Since coming to the series, Aston Martin have already sunk their teeth into it and signed several major sponsors. One of them, and most notably, is solutions firm Cognizant as a title sponsor that is paying around $35 million per year to have their name plastered on the race wear and on that car. All three of these rebrands might seem semi-ridiculous in terms of like, what does it even matter what their name is? It's all the same company, they're making the same money. But that's the point we're trying to make here. The name is the advertisement. The name being said again and again, plastered on everything is what's making these companies money. So yes, Toro Rosso, Alphatari, what does it matter? We literally just figured out this fashion brand even existed when their name was brought into Formula One. And that is the point. In August of 2020, Williams was acquired by Dorrington Capital, and Jost Capito became the CEO and team principal. Williams this year have decided against finding a title sponsor after chief executive Jost said that he's unwilling to sacrifice the brand for one last drop of sponsorship money. For Williams, the name is their identity. And the new owner, Dorrington, is committed to that name. Williams means more than any money a sponsor could possibly bring in and is the fundamental asset. Dorrington is committed to that name and its integrity. So here we have a team that's going against what most teams on the grid are doing. They don't wanna bring in another name. They wanna promote a name that's been in Formula One and is synonymous with Formula One for most people. And that is the money here.
1: And as most of you are probably familiar with, the best teams get the most money. At the top of the grid, it is normal to see title sponsors put over $100 million into their F1 team, which is not something you see further down the grid. Sponsorships are fundamental to allow the team to even start building their car. These cars cost a shit ton of money. And the biggest independent sponsor we see is Patronus. And per Formula Money in the last decade, Patronus has put $735 million into the Mercedes team, which comes out to be about $57 million per season. They are a combination of title sponsor to Mercedes, they have track advertisements, and they were previously a title sponsor to the Malaysian Grand Prix. Losing a sponsor can be crippling for a team with some losses totaling up to $200 million a season. And one of the key driving factors in the decline of the performance of Williams over the past few years is simply a decrease in the revenue that they've received through sponsorships. Their 2019 title sponsor, Rocket, only gave the team $30 million, which makes it difficult for them to compete with a team like Mercedes, who are getting $30 million from their third biggest sponsor along with the $200 million they get from Mercedes. In the grand scheme of it all, less sponsorships means less money to build, which means not the best car, which then receives even less sponsorships. So teams like Haas or Williams are now stuck in this cycle of not being, of not being able to find good money to make their teams better. And that's where Dorrington Capital comes in. And that's
0: where Ural Kai comes in. Before we talk more about your Alkai okay, let's talk about the concept of pay drivers. A pay driver is a competitor who forgoes any payment from the teen owner and instead brings money to the team in the form of sponsorships to ensure a spot behind the wheel. It seems like a harsh term and it kind of is a harsh term, but it's given to anyone who at least partially can attribute their place in Formula One to financial backing. I mean, realistically, this is a necessary evil. Formula One depends on sponsorships to fundamentally just continue the act of racing. So, if someone's going to come in and be able to drive and is going to bring money with them, that could be the very foundation of what it allows a team to continue. A pay driver can be someone who's a friend or a family member. So, that would be the perfect example is Lawrence Stroll and Lance Stroll. Lawrence Stroll invested originally in Williams to get Lance Stroll a seat there. Then he bought BWTs, Force India Racing Team, brought lands there, and then has ultimately continued that into Aston Martin. And more often a driver is sponsored from some independent company and that independent company and the driver approaches a team. As much as we love him, Sergio Perez kind of got his start this way in Formula One through a partnership deal with his title sponsor, Telmex, and at the time Sauber. While he's been around in Formula One for a lot longer and now he's made the move to Red Bull, which was purely on merit, he got his start by bringing in Telmex and bringing in the Mexican market.
1: Don't get us wrong. We think they are good drivers and most of them deserve to be in Formula One. They have the talent to be there. They've proven that at least, but they have been a point of contention specifically this year. Definitely this
0: year with Nikita Mazepin, who we're going to get to the specifics of him in a minute, but he didn't really have totally all of the talent, maybe potentially, I'm gonna just go out and say it. Mazaspin didn't have it, he shouldn't be there. We'll get to that in a second, but they are a point of contention and drivers on the grid have made it clear that they are a point of contention. It's obvious when a driver who might not have the big bucks or daddy's money, might not have the prime jewel of a sponsor, doesn't get a spot, It it's shitty and not fair. But also, they're kind of necessary to even keep the sport going. Because would Haas have survived without Nikita's father? We don't know. Would Force India have then gone on to be Aston Martin without Lawrence Stroll? We don't really know.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a billionaire's boy club. And I think Lance has put in some work on proving his... His place in Formula 1, I think Sergio Perez has definitely put in the work to prove his place in Formula 1, and we've really yet to see that from Nikita himself. No, Mazaspin, like, what you doing? What you doing? What
0: you doing at number 20 and thinking that you're going to get, a, a, get a, a contract from somebody
1: better? It's hard to watch, and <laughs> I think I'm just going to jump into the details about him. Yeah, just get it over with. Rip the band aid. Okay, so Haas wanted to ensure financial stability, so the team signed the Russian driver, and along with him came Uralkali, which is a fertilizer company owned by his father. Mazepin has brought three things to the team: a solid—they but- aren't all good—a <laughs> solid but not spectacular junior career, massive financial support, great for Haas and plenty of concerns over his off-track behavior, including a video of him inappropriately touching a woman and a physical assault of an F3 rival in 2016, not to mention the many accounts of him being an overly aggressive driver. When the team's 2021 livery was unveiled, it bore a striking resemblance to the Russian flag, which is currently banned from all professional sport. Nikita can't even drive under it after the ruling of a, of the world anti-doping agency investigation after the olympics correct megan wasn't it after it the was olympics? after one of the olympics yes so you can see that haas has sold its soul to the devil of iraq
0: they've sold their soul to one of the devils of russia i would say <laughs> and their spawn and his and demon spawn nikita I mean, I did love seeing him kind of like tear up last weekend. It kind of brought me joy in like a sick way. I just really don't think that he deserves to be on the grid. I I genuinely, full stop, don't think he should be there at all. But I also cannot fault Haas because they probably would not be on the grid next year or the year after if they didn't have another funding source. I just don't know why there wasn't any other option. We had nobody else.
1: I will be watching them very closely next year as they haven't spent any money on their team and their development this year and if they don't show me something next year I don't know what I'm gonna have to say about Haas anymore I feel like I've kind of given them the slip
0: yeah and if they don't show up next year I'd say dump the spawn and let's actually find somebody who's a better sponsor I'm actually shocked they haven't lost other sponsors because Haas has stayed with Nikita I mean, hot take. If I was a sponsor of Haas before your Alkai was in, I probably would be like, mm, "I'm out." Like, yes, I love Mick Schumacher. I love him. I stand him. He's amazing. I think he should be on a better team. They just have made a deal with the the devil, and 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 really, I don't even really think I have a problem with Nikita's dad. I just genuinely have a problem with him as a human. He just
1: got into a kerfuffle not too long ago as well. So. When he he got kicked fake, out of the... He went to the Red Bull party to save a friend
0: or yeah. some stupid shit. And then had to get kicked out. Whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he doesn't deserve to Full be an F1.
0: We have to take a moment here to talk about Alfa Romeo's newest addition to their lineup, Guan Yu Zhao. He is not directly a pay driver. But, 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 do you think, Katie, here's my question to you. Do you think that Alfa Romeo was thinking about the fact that having the first Chinese driver was going to unlock the key to the Chinese market? Because my answer is yes. So what is your thoughts?
1: Absolutely, Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Like, think about it in this context. If we ever had an American Formula One driver, you wouldn't think all of the American brands would be throwing money at Formula One all of a sudden. Same for China. And not only that, but it's... It's going to open up a whole new world of fans.
0: Every organization is trying to crack the Chinese market. And I get it. They have the biggest population. You should full send it into there. So Alfa Romeo totally had that in their minds. But on top of that, we've already had several Chinese sponsors reaching out out to Alfa Romeo. So while he isn't a direct pay driver, I do think that there is a conversation and a discussion that needs to be had about did he get that spot because of what he could provide Alfa Romeo or is it only on merit? Because I think it was more the money he brings. Even though they have said that that's not true, there's no way it wasn't taken into consideration, especially because of the Australian rookie Oscar Piastri.
1: As most F1 rookies have something to prove, Zhao is going to have to really step up and show us what he can do next year or we're going to be looking at another... We might be looking at another Nikita situation where it's like there's a point where performance comes before money. Yes.
0: And while he has done well, he has not excelled. Oscar P.A. Street, I'm probably butchering his last name. I'm sorry to him, has proved to be the better driver so far. It's I'm not saying that Jao doesn't deserve a spot in Formula One. I'm just saying I don't think he was the optimal choice going into this season. So he does have a lot to prove.
1: After all of that, you might be wondering why these investors throw money into this sport. Well, there are 433 million individual viewers each season, and that number only continues to grow. These sponsors use F1's ever-growing platform to connect with current and, more importantly, future customers. The top sponsorship spots are coveted. Their cost is great, but allow access to new markets and instill your brand into an elite and exclusive group. So yeah, cash is king. Money is what allows Formula One to continue. Tracks to host races and teams to construct cars. Join us next time for more Formula One info. Thank you so much for listening to another
0: episode. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Dirty Driving Pod on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Until next time, stay dirty.